so uh welcome to Jesus and Jim Shoes, where we have unparalleled conversations about life skills in Jesus. Uh, I want to introduce you guys to my homie, my good friend, my uh, confidant, the person who I can be like, hey, is this crazy? And she'll pretty much say, yeah. Um, and the person who you can trust to always tell you the truth. Um, I'll let her introduce, you know, kind of what she does. But today we're going to talk about uh, careers not being linear. So uh, I want to introduce you to my homie, Constance Wright, Esquire. Constance Thank you Wright. so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this new endeavor of yours. So shout out to you for taking the leap of a passion. I think that's really dope and I'm excited to support you in it. Um, as you said, my name is Constance Wright. Um, my day job, the big job, is I'm the assistant, the assistant dean of academic standing for Weinberg College at Northwestern University. I'm also a licensed attorney. I, in my role, I do work where I manage registration-related exceptions uh, for the college. I also do work um, to create programming and opportunities for UR and low-income and first-generation students, which is the kind of work I care about a lot. Um, I also do work outside of that job. Um, for the last probably about 15 to, yeah, 15 plus years, I have been doing work in the legal community of Chicago to ensure that students who are underrepresented or marginalized um, have opportunities to get into the legal field and either thrive in law school or pass the bar exam. So I'm very excited about the opportunity to talk about what does it look like when your plans that you think you have for yourself don't work out and how to actually... <laughs> they, <go down> in <laughs> flames. they go down in flames. Not just work, don't work out, but they go down in flames. And you have to Absolutely. Kind of... When it's... God clears your table, I exactly. say when God clears your table. Uh... Um, and I think what's equally as important is, so how do you actually manage the emotion in the journey? Because people actually like to show you the highlights, but they actually don't want to actually talk to you about how to manage the emotion of the lowlights, which exactly. I think is actually incredibly important. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's more of the conversation of the life skills component. Mm -hmm. um, the life skills and Jesus component is, is that, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we only get the, the failing part and then the, 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 the comeback story or the comeback kid, you know, kind of like Rocky-esque, but they don't go, but there's a whole chasm of emotions that you have to go through or that you, you know, sometimes go through when you fail or when you hit rock bottom or whatever it is that you want to call. Um, and I think that sometimes we kind of gloss over those setbacks um, when we, when people tell their stories. So Let's talk. So it, it's ironic. Well, not really ironic, but it's a it's a coincidence that we're talking about coming back or coming out of something as we enter almost a year of a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Where a lot of people have had to kind of pivot, change, uh, just completely start over. So take me back to like '08, right when things were kind of hitting rock bottom. Um, yeah, take me back to 08. How, okay. what, what was happening there? So I'm gonna take you back to 08 and then I'm gonna take you back to another pivotal moment that I think probably planted seed what happened in such a transformative experience. Um, so in 2000, I, I, Chicago for law school, I think part came to Chicago for law school and I had all intentions of practicing law. I graduated in 2006 and I had a clerkship. When my clerkship ended, it was the year of our Lord 2008. And as most folks know, the bottom fell out of the economy during that time. Law firms were laying off people by the thousands. You could not buy a job. And here I found myself in a city with no family, in a condo that's not even a year old, in a car that's literally, I think I had had a car for maybe a few months and no job. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was difficult for a lot of reasons. I think there is just, there's really the very practical matter of just like, well, what am I going to do for money? I think there's that part of it. But I also think 
I was a high achieving black student. And what does that mean in terms of like the journey? It's, it's you're really, you, people really mold you into the space of you work hard, you're high achieving, whatever you work for, for will happen. And people don't really talk to you about the life aspect of it where yes, you can do all that, but still, first of all, you're always going to need the grace of God, no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. And that's still no guarantee that you're not going to go through life's challenges. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how many degrees you have. You're still going to go through life's challenges. I think that's a deeper issue. I think a lot of people don't, I think the, a lot of black people particularly are always in grind mode mm -hmm. that we don't necessarily get to feel anything, uh, you know, when we're going through. So with you being a high achieving black person, I've, uh, or black student, right? You, you're always mm -hmm. in grind mode. You're always in a, mm -hmm. in a space where you have to make these things happen. So you don't mm -hmm. know how to feel. You don't know how to fail also. So it's, it's, it's a good thing that you brought that up. And so what is that land? So now that this is happening, what headspace are you in? Um, are you determined at this point? Are you, what's happening? First of all, I don't know who I was. I think that's incredibly important because mm -hmm. I think one of the real, if anybody who's been unemployed for a long amount of time, particularly if you have like, if you are a hustle heart, you have a worker's heart, at the end of the day, work brings dignity to one's experience when that's just, you feel like that's a part of who you are. So when you can't work unfortunately in the, the way that you've really been set up at that age and let me be clear how old was I at that time I think I was 25 mm -hmm. um 25 maybe 26 um it's like well who am I because I've been told all this time like I grew up very lower middle class right so my whole life I really hustled and worked to make sure that that lack wasn't in my future so I went to college when I was 16 I graduated college one month after my 20th birthday, I went to law school when I was 20 as well. So when you're hustling like that, you're expecting things to just work out. So when they don't work out, it feels like something's wrong with me. And that completely like, it's like somebody kicks your knees from under you and you're, they're not replaced. And it takes you to a place of really having to rebuild a lot of your framework of what success is, achievement is, and starting the process of separating who you are from what you do. Because you have to know that you are talented, that you are skilled, and that your passions matter, whether you have a large platform or not, whether you have a rah-rah section or not. And I think that it's the most challenging when you don't have a job to prove it, where there's not many people around you who can provide support for that journey and you're just trying to figure it out. So for me, that was the biggest issue. It was the, who am I? Because I, 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 that's just who I was at that point. And I didn't know what to do without a plan. And that's incredibly scary because a recession in an industry that you're in will leave you without a plan when no one is hiring. Mm -hmm. You've only been trained to do something in that industry. And that level of just, I just felt like in a no man's land. And it took a long time to get out of that. Let me be very clear. It took a long time to really fully come out of that, even after I got other jobs. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest key was a couple of things. Number one, and I said, this is why I said, let me go back a couple of, a couple of years. So I remember when I was in law school, um, I was a first-generation law student who encountered some of the challenges that first-generation students go through when the, the rule book for what got them to that place doesn't work for the new place. And I started doing a lot of work around academic support and academic development of URM law students. And I remember being a third-year student and I'm going and talking to a mentor at that time and saying, you know, I want to do this for a living. I didn't even know what this was, but that was really the seed for the passion. It was creating framework, frameworks and a roadmap for first-gen low-income and URM students. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the industry was. I didn't know whether you can get paid for it or not or what the pay scale was, but I knew that I was just really drawn to this space of that work because I was a president of the Black Law Student Association my third year and in my second and third year had worked on projects like that while I was in school and it was just a breath of fresh air and I could see it. 
So when I was unemployed, I happened to be volunteering with an organization and that seed was starting to grow out of that dirt that was planted at that time. And that passion started to grow because Minority Legal Education Resources, which is a nonprofit organization here in Illinois, that its mission is the organization is dedicated to diversifying the legal field through academic support programming. Mm -hmm. And I fit right in because that was the work I was doing before. Somebody who was on the board recruited me to start working with them. I went through the program as a student. And then as soon as I was able to, I started tutoring and then became a coordinator. And I'm like, this is the kind of work I was doing in law school. This is the kind of work I'm doing right now. And it filled my cup, even though in my actual, in my professional realm, I wasn't getting my cup filled. Mm -hmm. But it was literally following that passion is what it kept opening the door. And because I could at least identify that, it's what com it it was like a pin light in the sea of darkness. Understood. How what so you you so coming out of that, right? Um and following that passion, I think a lot of people they always kind of minimize or they'll romanticize like, oh yeah, follow your passion. It'll lead you to where you need to go, right? What would you say? And then we can jump back into the rest of your story of like how you got to the the really cool thing that you did at Chicago State. But a lot of people like romanticize, you know, following the passion, but like following your passion, was there a time where your passion hurt you at all? I wouldn't say hurt. I think it worked me, <laughs> really worked me really hard. I know when people say things like, if you follow your passion, you'll never work a day. Lies. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. exactly. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not how I feel at all. My passion has always, because I believe in working at a level, a high level of excellence, the same passion I put into my job and my career, which is working at a high level of excellence, I put into the work, the volunteer work that I've done. Okay. Let me be clear. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's it's just worth it. And yeah. I think one of the, the one thing, something that I came along, I don't know, I think I probably arrived at this space of kind of really understanding. So remember when I just said, you got to start to differentiate who you are from what you do. Yeah. When I started to think about the, what does that really mean? Somewhere along the road, I kind of understood talent, skills, and passions. That's something you've heard me say before, mm -hmm. but I think it's incredibly important on this journey because I think that you have to start to understand like who you are is your character, who you are is your, you know, is your integrity and all those different things. And then how those are applied can manifest in a few different ways. And the skills that God gives us, there's your talents, your skills, and your passions. So your talents can literally just be what are you naturally good at? So if I'm using myself as an example, one of the things I discovered on this road was I'm talented in working with students, mm -hmm. formally and informally. I've always just been talented in working with students. I think it comes from the way I was parented and that I have two great parents where even though we didn't always have a lot of money, I had parents who did a great job of being dope parents that knew how to just really nurture kids. They just, they really did. And there's nothing that I said that I wanted to do that they didn't like geek me up to say, well, you can do it. So that same approach is what I've always taken with students. You tell me what you want to do. And for me, it's a detail. Like, why can't you do it? Mm -hmm. So that has always been one of my talents. The skill set that, that completely got cultivated, I think, definitely in law school. But also, I think I'm a PK and, and, and definitely as, as just seeing people work in church and seeing how ministry work. Like I understand administration really well. And when you combine the law school element with that, like structural um, effectiveness is something and civil procedure was my favorite subject in law school. Like those things just really kind of meshed for me as a skill set that I could leverage. And the passion has always been helping marginalized students, first-generation low-income students, underrepresented minority students thrive in education and in educational structures. And once I started to find what those buckets were and understand that those exist, first of all, in the marketplace differently, can get leveraged differently, and that you're not going to get paid for all of them. It doesn't mean that it's fulfilling, that isn't fulfilling rather. And it, and I think what's important, particularly when you're younger to know is, is that you have to grow in all of them. 
Mm -hmm. And you have to give yourself time to grow in all of them because just because it's your passion don't mean you're good at it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, like, like you said, the people like, oh yeah, find your passion, you'll never work a day or um, the kind of the the LLC Twitter, you know, make everybody (laughs) commit tax fraud. (laughs) (laughs) They tell everybody like, yeah, why do you still have a job? You, You know, Go even though you only got three orders yesterday on your on your mm-hmm. sweet potato pies or on your uh cupcakes, quit your job so that way you can start baking even more. And it's like, nah, bro. No, they, that person need their benefits. And if they really about that life, they'll you know build up until they can do it. Everybody ain't gonna be able to you know quit their job tomorrow or have an overnight success, quote unquote. Um, but with that how do you just the ups and downs of the career not being linear right we talked Mm -hmm. about the passion we talked about how the bottom kind of fell out Mm -hmm. to go from being a licensed attorney and like having a clerkship to now being assistant dean Mm -hmm. right what is a couple of things that happened in 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 between it that kind of like turned you to know that okay i'm working with mler Mm -hmm. i'm you know my passion is students but I need I I need to do this full time. Like, what is it that happened uh, to get you to that place? So I think there's two things. There's just a reality of the kid needs to pay some bills. Hi, um, I think after <laughs> seeing the market, like I'm not about to lie to you. Um, I think there was a part of me after a while that was like, it just doesn't look like something that's going to open up here. And I remember saying to myself, like, take the limits off just take the limits off. And that doesn't mean I wasn't fearful because I don't want you to think that I didn't have a thousand conversations with myself. Like Negro, what did you, what are you doing? Like you just borrowed six figures to go to law school. Like that was there too, but I'm like, but they ain't hiring. So be open. Hi. Um, So there was that. And I think sometimes you really have to just like, I don't believe in ignoring fear. I believe in working through it because you need to acknowledge it to work through it. So I had to actually start to deal with that, A. Um, B, I literally just started applying for jobs that weren't in law, but clearly were things that I was interested in. And I wasn't looking for anything in particular, but I definitely started looking at for a university. And, you know, I remember her always saying like, push comes shove, look for university jobs. So that's what I started doing. But that had nothing to do with how I found my first job in higher ed. I found my first mm-hmm. job through the grace of God High. Like certain things ain't gonna turn until God is like, whoosh, it's about to turn. <laughs> I hate that noise. It's the truth though. <laughs> so Let me true. tell you why. So, um, so I literally, so I've always mentored students and, and a lot of these aren't even my students. These are like, I always call them my kids. Like I have always had just younger generations come up under me. And there was someone who's literally like my younger brother. We are still close to this day. He was um, somebody I met through youth ministry. I used to serve in youth ministry and he was um, was going back into his sophomore year at Morehouse. And he and I basically spent the day together um, because it was literally his last day in the city before he went back down to Atlanta. And I knew his family, of course. And it was so funny because at that time I used to do step aerobics like religiously multiple times every week. That's when your knees are good, right? You had them knees back when you like 25, huh? Shut up, see, there it is. Hater. We gonna get there. We're gonna get there. <laughs> we gonna get but, to you being a hater. <laughs> we gonna get there. But but so what happened was is I was literally about to drop him off because the, the goal was to go to step class. And we were in Beverly and it my he, my my mentee at the time, his, I mean he's literally like my little brother Travis. I went to go drop him off and his mom and his grandma, who I adored, um, were like, Well, why don't you just stay for dinner? Because they were throwing him basically like a little family get together to 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 wish him well to go back to school. And at first I was like, no, nah, but they were like, Come on, stay. So I was like, fine. So Travis had to pick up his last check. He had been babysitting for a family all year, all summer, I'm sorry. And he had to pick up his last check. And I just decided to walk him. Now, I looked probably like I was 19 years old. I had on a pair of jeans. I had on an NC State shirt, like T-shirt. Like I looked like I was two, micro braids in a bun. Mm-hmm. And I walk with him over to his, um, to this family's house and they are chatting with him. And then I start chatting with the dad. And 30 minutes later, I walked out with a job at Chicago State in the athletics department. (laughs) (laughs) And 
it was wild because I was at that point where I was like, well, God, I don't know how my bills are going to get paid. And the funny thing is, is it was all a test because I don't want to actually give the wrong impression to people who are listening. I was not excited about that job. I was excited to get steady income, but I was not excited about that job because it was literally paying like $25,000 less than the last had. Um, it just didn't make sense. And I did not feel like my value was going to be fully realized in that position. And I had to really deal with my attitude towards that because it definitely was a blessing, but it took me some time. It took me about a year to get my whole attitude together Mm -hmm. because the best lesson that I learned in that space, and this is something that I think that every young person, and if you're a little bit more seasoned, you may need to learn this, but I think particularly for folks who are um, under the age of 30 really have to know is that you have to allow for God to hide you, to mature you for excellence. Mm-hmm. Those three years I spent in athletics were the three years I got a crash course in how our university runs. It yeah. was not easy at all, actually. It was quite difficult. We had very serious challenges with the NCAA, and it was it was really difficult. Like, and the part that for me was most difficult internally was I'm working lawyer hours for fifty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> Understood. And that don't feel good. <laughs> it does not feel well at all. And you don't understand it. But particularly um, after I got over my ego my first year, um, one day I came to work. It was the last week of March of the year of our Lord, 2011. And when I say God cleared my whole plate, everything, whoosh, everything got cleared. Like within a series of like of events that happened over 72 hours, a relationship that I thought was going to end in marriage ended abruptly my car died and had to get turned in. And then I walked into work that Wednesday and by 3 p.m. every single administrator in the athletics department was fired except for me. Mm. The university had taken over the department and I was told that I was a part of the crew that was supposed to help rebuild. All for $50,000 a year. (laughs) And I was not excited about it at all because God just literally shook my whole, like you'd have thought the other thing was, no, no, no. God, that, that it took me some time to, to, to work through that. But the dope part about it is, and this is why sometimes you have to work to get through your feelings in a really deliberate way. I got one of the best bosses I ever had when the university took over the department. And she literally gave me the mentorship that I really needed at that age in my career, in that stage of my career. And she did everything from really shining me up and getting the rough edges around how to make sure my documents were properly formatted for submission, how to make sure I communicated thoughtfully across the university, how to make sure I was managing things in a really pristine way. So I didn't, I stopped having to just figure things out on my own and really got to the level that I needed to get to. And by the time that they were about to hire a new athletics director, um, I had started looking for another job because I knew my season was up. And I was asked to apply for a job at the NCAA. And of course I was gonna take it because I'm not stupid. And let me be clear, I don't even like sports like that. I really don't. I just believe in excellence because God was really testing my integrity to make sure I worked at the highest level even though I wasn't excited about where I was. Because you have to, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, one of the things you just said was that, you know, uh, God had to hide you to mature you. So Mm -hmm. I think that that, like those lessons and you know my story, geez, Mm -hmm. please. Uh, you literally have to be here in order for you mm-hmm. to be matured. So that way you mm-hmm. can look at the things and, and see, oh, I can't act a fool when I get mm-hmm. here, you know? Mm-hmm. I can't act this type of way. I need to think about things a little differently. So yeah, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I think that that's incredibly important because in that year where I had an attitude problem, that's where, like I was doing my job, but I wasn't giving it the oomph that I know I can give. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that I remember when God was like, literally told me, I remember driving off the lot at CSU, you work for me, not for them. And it really just shook me to my core. Like, it's time for you to put your full effort in. And the thing is, is that that then really just shifted how I did other things. And just working in excellence, because that's a part of your character. And that's what God demands is incredibly important, because you need to be trusted with activities and tasks and obligations, whether you're being managed hard or not. 
that's just, you can't want to be the head of something, but not have a high standard of excellence for yourself. It just doesn't work. People mm -hmm. like positions, but they don't like the grind that comes with being oh excellent God. to get to those positions. I've never seen more people who really like positions, but not like strong work ethics. It's a shenanigan. And in that place, <laughs> it's the truth, it's shenanigans. And at that point where um, I interviewed and, and got an offer from the NCAA, my, my boss at the time and mentor um, went to the president of the university and was like, she's leaving. And they countered with a monster offer um, to move me into academic affairs. So I was 29 years old working in academic affairs um, as a director of contract administration and compliance. Mm -hmm. And it was just a better offer. So I took it and I, I I stayed in that role for two years. It, I probably did the work of somebody in that role for five years during that time because my portfolio just kept growing. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, by the time I had left, I was managing the university contract. And this was the contract for um, the faculty in a part in a, in a, a category of staff um, where I managed the contract and I defended the university against grievances. I worked with the university audit the state universities get audited and I not only managed the audit when auditors came on campus, but I helped our academic um, units manage their operations better to make sure we were in compliance with federal state and our own rules and regulations. And then lastly, my last year, I got a surprise where um, I had two major projects put on my plate. One, I helped reorganize our non-traditional um, our non-traditional um, division and then also I was one of the co-coordinators for commencement and honors convocation hmm. that's a lot I'm sure <laughs> that's a lot which was the reason why I was ready to go was because I realized that people just were keeping they kept putting things what I what you have to also recognize when your season is up and there are a lot of different things that I've learned um, God will tell you when your season is up so sometimes God will make me incredibly uncomfortable when my season is up um, and typically in those times, fear is making me stay dormant and he has to make me uncomfortable to move. Um, sometimes he will, um, like in this case, like I realize that they recognize my talent, but could not compensate me for it at that time. And if I wanted to maintain my health and my peace, I needed to go. And I had enough experience to be competitive in the marketplace for a significant upgrade in position. Uh -huh. Um, and in other times, like, cause now I'm learning different lessons about what does it mean to need to pivot, but it won't necessarily mean jumping up. Mm -hmm. Um, but at that point in time, um, I had never actually tried to get a job off of a website, but I made my part-time job looking for a new full-time job. Mm -hmm. And every weekend I was spending hours just sending in my resume and cover letter and I found this position at Northwestern University. I, I literally put it in. I was like, I read the, um, the job description. I said, I've literally done all this already. Submit. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is when I got the call back, I had to look and see what I actually applied for because I had applied for so many jobs by that time. And one of the most interesting things, and this is where I will say, um, God will use everything. And I think, I remember pastor was preaching um, something that really stuck with me was he would preach on Joseph and the way he used to preach on Joseph is where he used to really highlight the value of the hard journey to prepare him for the, the ultimate role. Mm -hmm. And that for me was, I felt like I, he was always preaching my story. And I applied to Northwestern. And the funny thing is, is as they were asking me questions in the interview, like if I didn't do it at CSU, I was doing it through MLER. So all the things that I was doing, not because I was getting paid for them, but, but I, because I was a good steward of the season, whether it was through my passion work at MLER or it were different activities and, and projects that I was given at CSU over all these years, they all were the pieces that needed to be put together for working at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. And then I got an offer and I didn't even believe it. <laughs> But it was, it was, it really just showed me the value of understanding, yes, their skills, talents, and passions, and you need to understand them, but you also have to understand, I couldn't have had a Northwestern season without a CSU season. As far as I'm concerned, my CSU season will probably be one of the most important and pivotal seasons of my entire career. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Because only at a school that was structured like that, that didn't have the funding like that, would my talent be recognized and a position be created for it to shine? That could never happen at a place like Northwestern. Yeah. And that's why it I had... wanted to uh, talk about it. Sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. No, no, I'm no, talking. I'm, talking. Talk I'm just it. a jabber. No, 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 no. Yeah, because it was it was it was special to me. Like being your friend, I know a lot more about it. But it was really special to me just because of um that the way you have to kind of walk through the journey or go through the journey so that way you can get to that place. Um and you hit on some really cool points, on some really key points of I'll say it again, being hidden so that way you can be matured of, or, you know, being in a place of your work actually speaking for you, um, as opposed, you don't even have to open your mouth, you know, your work, (laughs) your work will be right there. And it'll introduce you to people who never would have caught, you never would have caught their eye, you know, Mm -hmm. if you hadn't have been doing the work that was, uh, that was there. So it's really cool that, the linear peak that it, it wasn't a linear transition because like going from a going from a clerk to like now being where you're at it's um it's one of those things where nobody would have saw that joseph being in the pit you know where mm-hmm. he was he would then be over um I, i'm pretty sure like the bible makes it clear like for us what joseph's dream was right mm-hmm. But if we had been in that same time, we probably would have been just like his brothers, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, even for ourselves, right? I've always, you know, seen myself, you, you know, being in front of people or like doing some of the crazy stuff I did with JG or, you know, whatever. And I know you've always like seen yourself helping people with helping people with MLER, but you never knew how that was going to translate. Mm-hmm like what you're doing now so Mm -hmm. i know that like even for ourselves we don't necessarily always know um how we're going to get to where we you know where we uh, uh, additionally end or at where we end up oh absolutely i think i mean yvonne yvonne orgy um the actress has a new book coming out that i'm incredibly excited about because it's going to touch on some of these themes um because i i think what's incredibly important is that if you're a good steward and, and, and you truly are faithful, what I do believe is that you can't, there are times where you got to recognize that God is going to dream so much bigger than your mind can comprehend for you. Mm-hmm. But you have to also recognize that it ain't going to go the way you think it's going to go to get there. Mm-hmm. And you can be your biggest hindrance in that process, or you can pick up some life jewels to really mature during that process. You're not going to handle everything right. And I think that's fine and that's fair. And that's the reason why you got to be hidden for a, a season. And then even allow, like, you have to also be aware of when it's time for you to shift your mindset. Like at first, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of it was just survival. Mm-hmm. And I had to start dealing with issues within myself about like lack of contentment. Because I realized that at a certain point, certain things were never going to be enough. And I had to be learn how to be content with what I have and realize it was enough and God's grace was sufficient. Mm-hmm. And that took time. That took time. Um, one of the things that I realized that I've tried to do with myself now is to slow down a bit and not just be hustling for the next promotion. Like there was a season when I just wasn't making enough money where that just wasn't an option. But now I'm like, you got to be more thoughtful about where you're going and what you're doing. Um, I'll use this season and this pandemic right now. Like for me, where I'm at, even if I think about like a job search for me in higher ed right now, I'm not incredibly excited about jumping anywhere. And the biggest reason why it's like, well, budgets are tight right now. Mm-hmm. Like, do you just want to move to move? Do you just want to move for a bigger title? Or do you want to move for the right fit at the right season? Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm not ambitious, because let me be very clear. I'm hungry. One thing when you're on an untraditional path, and you're in a something that's not linear, just because you're doing it different, Lee, does not mean that that's an excuse to not understand the process, the values of the process, and still hustle hard and work in excellence. So what do I mean by that? 
I'm not ever going to be tenured. I'm not going to be, I'm not going through the tenure process. It ain't happening. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Don't want to do it. But I recognize what the values of the academy are. So I understand that there are values in being published. I understand that there are values in presenting at conferences. I understand there are values in getting adjunct appointments. So just because I'm not going, I didn't go through the traditional tenure pathway. Do you think that gives me an excuse? If I know that my talent can take me to be a college president, if my talent can take me to be a chief operations or administrative officer, if my talent can take me to be a chief of staff for a president, if I want to go there and I understand the structure that's there, that is not an excuse just because I have a JD to ignore all that. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I started doing years ago is I started using my slower time during like the summer as my slower time at my job was to just brainstorm about what we were going to do the next year, not just for me in terms of my unit, but also professionally. Okay. So, and this is one of the, you know, you've heard Issa Rae say something about, you know, you need to, what, what did she say? Like, you don't, you need to hustle sideways and not just up. Yeah. So one of the dope things is that I have just friends who are incredibly talented that are all unique in their own way. So I have a friend who is just incredibly talented, who is a writing monster. I do not like to write articles at all, but she was editing a book. And she said, do you want to write? And I said, no, but I'm going to do it. And just because of like the way I've supported her in her career, that offer turned into three book mm -hmm. chapters. So now that's on my CV. Because of the work that I've done with MLER and how I stay connected in the community, it turned into adjunct professor appointments at local law schools. Mm -hmm because I knew I needed to start getting conferences on my CV pre-COVID, that was the next agenda item was, okay, get conferences booked. One, I was accepted, but it got canceled because literally it was in the middle of March. <laughs> and the other one I had in November, 2019. Mm -hmm. Because I understand that even though I don't think that those things convey the confidence that the structure says it does, I do recognize the game. And even if a goal is to even deconstruct some of those things of the system, I'm not going to get there if I don't understand how to play the, great, the game strategically. The game. Yeah, exactly. So I'm hungry. I spent the day-to-day, -day, like, because it's the beginning of the year, because at the beginning of the year, I'm like, so what we on? So one of the things that it really, like, I feel like God forced me into it was like, I need to stop giving away some of the labor that I give because I still think that, yes, there are certain things I need to do volunteer-wise, but there are certain things where I'm like, no, it's actually getting taken advantage of to not get compensated for certain things. So I actually did start an LLC. I'm laughing because I joke heavily about how people on LLC Twitter are going to get fraud charges, um, IRS tax fraud charges. <laughs> exactly. But I did actually do that because I was like, you have to actually have some sort of structure to start doing consulting because I got presented with a fantastic opportunity. And from today, I just literally spent the day like, well, what are different ways that you can grow this organically where it's not overwhelming, but you can still get certain content out. So that's all I did today because the thing is, is that I'm still hungry. I just have to shift how it manifests because there are certain things that yes, do I think that the way my gifts and talents will probably offer a lot of, you know, financial awards. I hope not fully there yet. Mm -hmm. That's not my main goal with some of this work or a lot of this work to be quite honest, but I also want to do it in excellence. And I want to make sure more importantly, and most importantly, I should say it's, I need students helped. If I want to see a more diverse legal field, kids got to get the information, period. They got to get the help. And I like doing work where they get to be who they are and that's all they have to be to show up. Mm -hmm. And that means they're going to get everything. That's who I am as an educator. You just show up, I got you. That passion comes out in everything that I do, but that still means they're held accountable at a level of excellence. I can't expect that of them if I don't do that myself. True. I'm a, let's end it right there. Um, I want to 
man, you drop some crazy gems, G. Like, I'll be on the phone with you and I'll just be like, oh, I hate that Connie's right. <laughs> That's because I'll be checking your shenanigans. <laughs> uh, why she got to go in on me like that? I ain't even do nothing this time. Uh, no, it's because at the end of the day, let me be honest with you. Here's the thing. Like I've always told you is that I know, um, like I can see the dope things that God has put in you. And the one thing that I believe, it's not a part of it is accountability, but I also believe like I'm older than you and I want you to thrive and not have to take the hits to learn the lesson. Like the one thing that you are is essentially it's just you're coachable. Yeah. Like that has to be key. Somebody got to be able to tell you something. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end of the day, I think we all can learn that from you, right? Your listeners can Mm -hmm. learn that from you is, is that if you have people pouring into you at a certain point, you have to be thoughtful about applying those principles and those lessons. And particularly from people who have really walked the walk and they truly are invested in your success and they're really just saying, don't take the same hit I took. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta do something that's gonna, uh, you gotta do something where they gonna, where they, you may not do everything that they tell you to do, but you gotta mm-hmm. do something that's gonna make them look and be like, oh, okay, okay, he, he, all right, he making something happen or they mm-hmm. making something happen. Like you gotta have some return, you gotta have some return on, on the investment that people have. And the one thing uh, I, I never wanna take advantage of is people's time because they don't have that much of it. So even no matter how young or how old, you know, if I know that somebody's good at something and they, you know, offer their time to me, I'm going to, I'm kind of irritating in that fact that I'll, you know, follow up with them about, uh, hey, I did this little thing that you, you know, I listened to you Mm -hmm. and I did X, Y, and Z, Um, you know, especially like with getting my house or getting my building and all of that stuff. And Mm -hmm. even when I, the the iteration every iteration of how i was looking for a building mm-hmm. and every person that was involved um l- help i made sure that i let them know that their investment in me wasn't in vain like even with the contractor like the contractor i wound up not being able to use them but he wound up getting a two hundred thousand dollar contract with somebody else that i knew you know, simply mm-hmm. because he was helping me out. And I was like, yo, this is the person that you that you need to help. Or mm-hmm. this is the person that needs to do it. And they were subsequently are renovating a spot. And I was like, hey, this is the person. And so just because of how great he was, and I was just, and I looked to him as a mentor. I'm like, yo, you've been doing this for 30 years. Like, thanks so much. <laughs> you know? it's, called, it's called, you want to make sure that people know that they're sewing in a good ground. Absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, I still have people who at the end of the day, I'm always hungry for people's stories and lessons and just like you have to be deliberate about seeking those out like sometimes it comes in the form of people you know from like a church or like a professional organization, but I also want to encourage people to truly even in the low points, you got to get poured into at some way I remember at the lowest points where I used to listen to two YouTube videos one was Oprah Winfrey a part of her master class where she talked mm-hmm. about how she got the role for the color purple yeah and the other one was Tyler Perry talking about how certain things in his career only happened by the grace of God okay you have to have like I told my bar students you got to have theme music you got to have a vibe that matches where you're going. Yeah. You actually have to have that for the journey itself. You have to have people who can see where you're going even when you can't. You have to have people who can pour into you and give you the skills needed for that journey. You have to see people who will be be close enough with people who will show you our, their failures and know that you're not gonna expose them. Mm-hmm. You also just have to sometimes, like, if you're even in an isolated season, because God will put you in those, Um, particularly now with, I won't even say, this is really not a social media thing so much as it is for for me, like, between YouTube videos and then documentaries. You need to learn what the long road actually looks like for people. Mm -hmm. 
enough people have done long documentaries. We like, we like to romanticize people's journey. It's like the way people romanticize the civil rights movement and boil it down to like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. I'm like, did y'all really like Martin Luther King back in the day? Survey says Not no. Not at all. Not at all. Um, but people forget it, right? People only see all these people who they have on a hill. Like you see the Barack Obamas, but it's like, could you have spent those years on the South Side community organizing? Do you like people that much? But you want to be somebody's vice president? That's a problem. You know what I'm saying? You have yeah. to be able to see, like, if you want to be an entertainment mogul, like, my question is, it's like, but can you do all the jobs that are essential to get you to that point? I think two you, chains, so I, to, to that point, like, Two Chains is my favorite, right? Two Chains mm -hmm. is, is one of my favorite rappers. And I look at his grind from how he got from, like, from even before DTP put out that first, like, duffel bag boys, mm -hmm. um, to, I literally, my Twitter name and Instagram name for the longest was DJ We Working because mm -hmm. of the song We Working that they, mm -hmm. that DT, I mean, not DTP, but that uh, Play a Circle had on their first album. Mm -hmm. And Two Chains like literally had to like reinvent himself from Titty Boy to like, mm -hmm. okay, like, <laughs> let me. Maybe that name isn't appropriate maybe for Maybe that name isn't level. appropriate for everybody. Like, Titty Two Chains, eh, we can't go there. Okay, Two Chains, like every iteration. You know, he was like, oh, but he had to come to that realization. It, mm -hmm. This is so funny that we went from talking about Joseph to career. Is it, but I think that that's but, because I mean, people don't. I mean, it's the whole Jesus, right? You, you get there. People don't recognize that that's the actual process. Failure is truly a part of the process. And so it, like, that's the maturation process. Like, yeah. I remember the first time I heard that that was old dude's name and I was like, stop. Excuse me. And I think that that's the thing is that you have to just allow that growth. And I think the other side of it is, is and I say this particularly to the listeners, I know we have to write up, please don't be too good because of your dreams to do any job. Let me tell you something. I literally went, yeah, it's crazy, man. I, that's a whole other story. But yeah, like, I too. that right there, because you got to understand, like, one of the things, I work harder than my assistants. Let me be clear. And when something happens that they can't do, I do it. Hmm. I make more money than them. I'm, there are certain things I won't ask them to do. They could do it, but I'm not going to ask them to do it. Now, I'm dealing with laziness well. Let me be clear. Got to still working on my heart around that. I really got to communicate better around laziness because I have a challenge with that. But the thing is, is that I working, the best part about working at CSU is that I didn't have an option around the grunt work. Okay, everything. The one thing about working at a, in an organization that doesn't have many resources is you got to do everything. Yep. And I'm telling you, if you're too good to do any job, you don't want to be at the top. You really don't. You want the glamour and the shine of the top, but you don't want the swagger of the top. Mm -hmm. And... Let me tell you something. There are a lot of mediocre people with with titles who will not trailblaze anything. And if you're okay being with that, we're not the same type of people. At all. Like we, you will literally, you will not even understand the kind of ground we're talking about because you have to be willing to do the work that comes with zero shine in order to have integrity with the things that have all the shine because you will not take it for granted period and there are a lot of people who get the privilege of skipping but who what a lot of people they, don't tell you yeah they don't they don't really last long um, and what people don't tell you is once you start peeling back those curtains of how good that people actually are you realize it's the privilege that just keeps them there not the actual work and if, particularly if you're of color hi how you doing if you black and this thing called these United States of America, please know they're gonna get you up out of there. Now we can end on that. <laughs> I do want to end on this one thing. Um, you wear this gym shoe that is oh god, god lord. Can we cut awful? <laughs> this right? is a hater. Can it we talk about haters? The worst, not the worst, right? But it is it is a beloved shoe, right? In certain parts of the country, but you swear by this shoe. Even today, like other parts of the country, they do not wear this shoe anymore. The places that 
the the places like New Orleans and Philly, they've all like done away with their love of the shoe. You somehow have managed to hold on to your love of the soldieries. Like, I don't understand it. Can you like, why do you like, and to all those that don't really know what this shoe is, is the it's a Reebok, right? What what's the what's the what's the the exact name of it? I don't know. Which model is it? I call it Chris White. <laughs> I just call it Chris White. I like the classic, the Reebok classics. Yes. Yeah, so the all white Reebok classic white, right? And this shoe is not attractive at all, right? Under no circumstances. But you love it, and I just want to know, like, why? And then we can go. Can I ask you why you just insist on being a hater? That's the real question. <laughs> First of all, my swag is my swag. You just—he's a hater. So let me let me be clear, because the one thing DJ knows is that I can dress. So you trying to lay me out here crazy? First thing, I can dress. Um, second of all, I don't even wear sneakers that often outside of the gym. I love a pair of Chris White sneakers in the summer. Oh, and I either love a K-Swiss, an Air Force One, or a Reebok oh, Classic. Oh, I love a good K-Swiss too. I and the thing is, is that he has just seen me on Reeboks and insists on being a full-time hater. I really don't understand how he carries that job with all the other things that he does, but he insists on clocking in 40 hours a week as a hater. Somebody, can you please give him the ability to put his resignation in? Oh my god. But it is what it is. It's okay though. I don't hate on anything or anybody or what they that is such a let me tell you something. It's the thing is is that it's just I've always loved like it's spring. Let me get myself a crisp white shoe. That's always how I have felt, and I can afford it now. Um, so that's something it is. So it's it's like nostalgia. Like it's not the shoe. Oh, I love the shoe. Nostalgia. I love the shoe. Oh, it's just okay. always been what it is. I love the shoe. Let me tell you something. I don't talk to you about your medium shirts. So do not talk <laughs> my I'm shoes. Just big, my shirt's not medium. They, I'm just bigger than my shirts. That's what it is. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> your boy be out here with for the record. mediums hey, on hey, and hey, got hey, the hey. nerve to be talking well, my about shoes, my shoes. Hey, but my gym shoes are better than yours. Like that's that's just what I'm it okay is. with that. Let me tell you something. Like, let, me, let me tell you something. I carry myself very well. <laughs> and all I got to say is, is I worry about my Reeboks. You worry about getting yourself a double XL. Can we end on that? <laughs> you better leave that in. And you better leave that in. <laughs> I feel like West Side Gun with the rap on going. <laughs> no but i appreciate you today uh absolutely you know hopping on to jesus and gym shoes i had to kind of throw you under the bus for liking the soldiers um it's not my favorite shoe but i'm sure somebody agrees with you i okay. don't know who's gonna hear this it's okay but when this, maybe... when this episode drops i'm gonna put a cold picture of my whole all-white outfit from one of the JG um, events Whoa. on my Instagram. I look good though too. I'm gonna text you the picture too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I look good. Oh man. It's from the all white party. On, so, did you have on soldieries? Absolutely. I look so good. Oh, that's probably when I that's probably when I started to despise them a little bit more. You're such a hater. Yeah. But we you just gotta work on your shirts and I'll work on my shoes. Oh, my shirts be good now. I lost a little weight. I lost like three pounds. I but promise. they're still schmediums. That doesn't girl, whatever. Uh, all right, right, yeah. This has been I'll another episode. This has been another episode <laughs> of Jesus and Gym Shoes. Thank you so much. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. And uh, talk to you guys later. Thanks so much. Peace.